Today we're joined by the one and only Carter Stanley, obviously one of the greatest Jayhawks to ever put on a football uniform. You're our first football guest. Les was an all-time recruiter. He's, what, three years removed now, and if you look at all the guys making plays for KU on Saturday, it's like, you know, pretty much all Les Miles new recruit. I mean, let's be real, as, as good as, you know, the team's playing right now, I think, you know, half the games against the Big 12 opponents, they are probably less talented. But you couldn't tell, you know, on pretty much any given Saturday with how they create opportunities. They, they move out the quarterback a lot. They, they do a lot of creative stuff to maybe make up for, you know, any shortcoming in talent. Coach Self, when he walks in the locker room, he's like, we look, what are, like, what is going on? We're, having, we're playing in flowers tonight? It's a top soft. 20 matchup. We're soft. playing flower jerseys. Yeah. Dance off. Thank God we won, though. Thank God we Imagine if we would have lost in that. Kansas would have worn nothing besides white and blue jerseys for the rest of all time. You guys probably would have came out and practiced jerseys the next week. <laughs> Dad used to tell me all the time. He used to tell me all the time. Son, don't worry about the mules. Just load the wagon. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. Super excited to be partnered with Factor because I use them all the time. I love Factor. It's a quick, easy, fresh, healthy, chef-prepared meal. Allows me to be at the top of my game for longer. It's healthy. It's hard to find fast food that's good for you. Factor's the way to go. Do you use them a lot? I use them a lot. And when he says fast food, this is the fastest food you can get. You don't have oh, to drive anywhere and go to a drive-thru. I mean, you pull it out of your fridge and you poke a couple holes in the little in the in the film, put it in the microwave two minutes and it's ready. They're just fast, easy. Get me going in breakfast, get me going at lunch when I'm having a hard day at work or a fast day at work. They're easy, they're healthy, and uh, they taste really, really good. Head to factormeals.com slash rockchalk50 and use code rockchalk50 at checkout for 50% off your meal. That's right, head to factormeals.com slash rockchalk50 and use code rockchalk50 for 50% off your order. Head there now. I love them. Chris loves them. Support the pod. Support factors. We love y'all. Mitch and Chris, I appreciate it. Before we get back to Rock Chalk Unplugged, those guys are doing a great job, by the way. I got to tell you about the best way to make money on sports. It's on prize picks. I played football, coached it. Now I'm a football analyst. And I'm telling you, during football season, there's no better place to be than on prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy, not sports betting. So on fantasy, on prize picks, you pick players, not teams. Each player has a set total stat projection for a game. You pair a couple of those together, pick higher or lower for the stat projection. And then when it hits, you make tons of money. So if you know ball, no players, you can rake in the dough with prize picks. The best part is, for the Rock Chalk Unplugged listeners, we have a special promo code that gets you a 100% deposit match up to $100 on prize picks. It's with code ROCKCHALK or by going to prizepix.com slash ROCKCHALK. That's prizepix.com slash ROCKCHALK to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Who knows what you can turn that 100 bucks into? I'm thinking you guys can rake in the dough on some Monday night football, college football Saturday, tons of things to choose from other than just football too. They got basketball. They got tons of sports on there. You guys will love prize picks. It is the best way to fire on sports. And I've tried all of them in the world. Go to, go to prizepicks.com slash rock chalk to get your 100% deposit match up to $100. And guys, supporting prize picks, the sponsor of this podcast helps support Mitch and Chris and, and the great work that they do and the great work that we're doing across the board at Mercury with all the great shows. So your support means a ton, allows us to put this podcast on prizepicks.com slash rock chalk. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. 
I'm Chris Tehan, along with my co-host, Mitch Lightfoot. We have a special guest on today. Mitch, why don't you introduce him? Today we're joined by the one and only Carter Stanley, obviously one of the greatest Jayhawks to ever put on a football uniform. You're our first football guest uh, as, a, as a duo with Chris and I. We're super excited to have you on. Um, your time at Kansas, you had some great, great games, and, and you were you were the shining bright spot on, on, a, on a bunch of those teams, and we're excited to have you on. You know, definitely looking forward to this. Mitch, I'll let, you, away, I'll let you hit the first question, Mitch. Uh, what, right, what's for sure. mind? What you got to ask Carter? Carter, I wanted, to, I wanted to hit you up first. I wanted to ask you, what have you been up to since you've been to Kansas? What are you doing now? Give the people kind of an update on Carter Stanley. What's life been like for you? Um, lived in Kansas City for like nine months after being done with KU. Uh, was training to get a shot in the NFL you know, it was during COVID kind of a tough time to go for it with some numbers being, uh, you know, cut short for guys in that draft class. But uh, moved down to Tampa, Florida initially, then moved over to St. Pete, like right in the Tampa Bay area. And just doing, uh, working with UBS right now, doing private wealth management, really liking it. Um, you know, definitely miss uh, Kansas and in the Lawrence area from time to time, you know, with the seasons and, you know, just being up there. But uh, no, just really, really liking it down in St. Pete, and all's all's going well right now. Talk to us a little bit about the the getting ready for the NFL side of things. Like that was a struggle during COVID, and I can't imagine having to prepare myself to play in the NFL. Like, what was what was that like, and, and what ultimately led you to your decision to go into the professional business world? Yeah. Um, you know, my last season was fall of 2019, um, and up. Yeah, you know, quickly decided that, you know, I was going to go for it. I was, you know, I was never going to be like a high <clears throat> draft pick guy, but I was being told that, you know, late, late, like seventh round or, you know, strong free agent consideration um, just to sign like with the team after the draft. But um, I was actually fortunate enough to get my pro day off. I think it was like March 5th of 2020, which, like 90% of the guys in my draft class didn't. And so I don't know, it was, it was good to get in front of those scouts, but at the same time, you know, like pro days on Zoom and, you know, they're reporting four, three, 40 yard dashes and, and no one's there to really like vouch for it. So, you know, it could go either way, but um, no, I mean, the draft comes along and they already, beforehand they were going to do like a rookie mini camp which they've had every other year and that's just like an opportunity for guys like of my caliber to get in it's like 30 rookies they bring in per team and you know get in and you know prove that you can make a roster spot and, and you know not having that definitely hurt like a lot of guys like in my situation but you know stuck it out for that full fall of 2020 just because I didn't know how like COVID was going to play out whether, uh, you know, back room gets COVID, you know, I didn't know if they'd be bringing in new guys or anything like that. And none of that really happened. And, you know, when they did, they would just go with like some veterans that were free agents, like guys that have been in the league for, you know, say five to eight years, but, um, yeah, about a year of just doing nothing, but lifting weights, throwing a football and running sprints. I was about done with it. And, um, 
you know, started interviewing for some jobs down in, down in Florida and was, uh, was pretty content with the decision at that point to move on. I think that that's kind of exact. Not, I didn't try for the NBA by any means or anything, but by the time that it was all said and done, like when I hung up the, hung up the shoes, it was, it was a good decision. It was like, I was fully done with being a, an athlete really. I don't know if that's the same exact feeling you had, but I know that feeling. I was. Yeah, and so you I mean going into I mean your last year you had a great year. You had a couple of great showings. Um obviously we were not the team that we are now, not super disciplined or we had a lot of questions up front, but when we figured out the protection, you went out there and balled. So bring us through that last year because that was kind of your story throughout your career was like, hey, you you could you showed your glimpses and they were great glimpses, great games. You were an ultra competitive dude. Like you were for me like the first the great white hope for Kansas football. Like you gave us those glimpses, like, okay, we can go win some football games. Kind of bring us through your mentality, your fifth year, um, after having all those struggles with a lot of things that obviously couldn't solely be on you, but going into your fifth year, what was your mindset? Uh, so yeah, first four years I was under coach Beatty and, um, you know, I, I liked Beatty and, you know, I like the offense that we ran. It, it just wasn't maybe the best for our team. Um, but we, Miles was super excited about that. But, you know, I was still by no means, I mean, going into that fifth year, they brought in Thomas McVitie, who was, I think, like the number one quarterback in Juco. Um, so, yeah, I was still kind of slated to be like a backup guy or, you know, competing for a job. But, um, definitely had to prove myself and, you know, thought about grad transferring for sure. But back then it was different. Like there was no transfer portal. So there was no way of like, like see where you could land unless you just like fully committed and saying like, I'm transferring, you know? So it's, uh, it was kind of tricky. I'm, I'm super glad I stuck it out, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun year, you know, it was up and down. We, we had some good games, obviously three and nine record isn't, you know, going up in the ring of honor, but, uh, but no, it was, it was fun. Um, you know, I think we had some talented guys for sure. And looking back on it and being big 12, like, Understanding that, you know, I think our roster, as far as talent wise, I think we could have and, and should have been, you know, six and six caliber team, you know, a team that made it to a bowl game, but, you know, tough conference and, you know, we, some of those games, but no, I have, I have zero regrets about staying at KU my fifth year. Loved it. You know, love the campus, love the people. Carter, like you talked about, you had the opportunity, you could have gone, jumped into the portal. But you chose to stay at Kansas. Why did you choose to stay between those two different coaching staffs? Why did you why did you stay as a Jayhawk? Yeah, um, you know, part of it was just like felt like uh, you know I, I kind of owed it to Kansas because I really didn't have a lot of offers coming out of high school, and you know Kansas took a chance on me when no other Power Five school did. Um, and I, you know, I, I love Kansas, love the campus, love the people, like loved everything about it. So. You know, it would have been super hard to leave, but I mean, I was I was certainly considering it. And um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they they brought in Thomas McVitie, and I was going to be competing with him. And um, 
you know, I just, I, I felt good about the competition. I felt good about where my game was at. And, um, you know, I, I liked what the staff was doing at the time when we were in spring ball. And, you know, I just liked doing some different things because the previous four years, it was all like air raid offense, you know, nothing but shotgun snaps. And then for the first time really in my life, I'm taking like under center snaps, doing like some play action schemes and stuff like that. So, you know, I was really just kind of intrigued with the offensive system and, and scheme that we had in place and, you know, just felt good about how the competition was going to maybe play out. So you played for obviously two different head coaches. You mentioned it before, Beatty. I think they kind of personality-wise were the same. Obviously not the same, but, like, they were players' coaches. Would I be right saying that? Right. No, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of played for the same mentality as a coaching staff, but Les was an all-time recruiter, but at the end of his time at Kansas, he probably wasn't the best game-playing guy. Was that something that you kind of thought throughout the time? Like, hey, he got talent. Like, you could, you could arguably say he got probably better talent than Leipold has on the team right now. But was it something lacking in the game plan? Like, what kind of was it like in, in Les's tenure when you were there, That just that one year? Yeah, no, it's, that's an interesting point, and – yeah, there's no doubt about it. Les can definitely recruit. Like, you know, he's, uh, he's what, three years removed now. And if you look at all the guys making plays for KU on Saturday, it's like, you know, pretty much all Les Miles recruit. So, um, yeah, there's no denying that. But scheme-wise, honestly, it was uh, – I feel like he was, he was pretty hands-off except for kind of like some – fourth you know third and fourth down like short situations where he would implement just kind of like his old school power run offense which honestly I loved like it wasn't necessarily the most successful all the time but um no it was it was pretty cool to run some of that stuff and yeah I'd say all in all schematically he wasn't nearly as hands-on as as Beatty was so uh you know that was that was definitely a difference between those two but no, I, I love playing for both coaches. I'd say specifically Les because he was just—he was a funny guy, man. Like Mad Hatter, his nickname—that just—that's who he is. Like you know, what what you see is is what you get with him. That's awesome. That's awesome. I I wanted to ask you something along the lines of of going from Baby to Les. What was the major difference between the two, and what was each one of them's strengths? See, I mean. As far as differences, and I remember thinking this in the moment, <clears throat> and even now to this day, I, I still kind of think it, but it didn't feel too different. Like we honestly ran everything kind of the same way. There wasn't too many like glaring differences in how we operated on a daily basis or <clears throat> in the off season. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of almost weird because personality wise they're kind of completely different and i guess you could say like age and era that you know they've been completely different but kind of honestly the same same program i guess and i feel like that's the feeling from the outside as well like when they switched coaches when i came and watched Juris's first couple of games that are less like it didn't feel like there wasn't a huge different look like we obviously were playing more competitive and like and the games that we lost like we were scoring points our offense looked good like it was entertaining to watch i feel like a lot of time under Beatty, 
it wasn't like that, but like the way it moved. And I think that you can tell the difference and I'll let you get into it on this. Cause you know more, but like you watched, you watched Leipold's team when he got here, it was like a complete 360 of the way that we all carried ourselves, the discipline, like the way you saw like the people, like the players on campus. Like, I feel like it was a complete right. culture shock. You can, I don't know how much you talk to the guys still, but with that would be pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, just strictly off like the eye test alone, um, you know, seeing those guys on Saturday, they just they seem like they attack, you know, so much more and, you know, it's so much more like high powered. And, yeah, the crazy thing is, is looking back on it, I'm, you know, I feel somewhat confident in saying like this team this year and, and last year, like I'd say they're very similar in talent to what we had in 2018 and 2019, my two team or last two years out there but you know i think uh to be honest with you the the current staff their scheme like it's just so much more friendly to playing in matchups to where you're still maybe at a disadvantage talent wise because i mean let's be real as as good as you know the team's playing right now i think you know half the games against the big 12 opponents they are probably less talented but you couldn't tell you know, on pretty much any given Saturday with how they create opportunities. They, they move out the quarterback a lot. They, they do a lot of creative stuff to maybe make up for, you know, any shortcoming in talent. And I think that it's like, as much as it is creative, the baiting and less offenses, baiting more, more, it was like, let our guys out athlete their guys. And we don't have those kind of guys. So in the situations when we're getting out athleted, there's not much we could do. And yeah, you said we still have the same amount of talent, but this feels like a more of a, like a full fist coming at you. Like everybody is on the same page. Everybody's taking care of their individual thing. It's not like let's throw the ball out to uh, Lawrence Arnold and just let him try to go one-on-one in the backfield. Right. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I'd say, cause yeah, Beatty, before he was at KU, he came from Texas A&M <clears throat> where he was like co-offensive coordinator with like Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, they Johnny Menzel thrown to Mike Evans and like, coach, we don't got that. <laughs> it was, it was like, I, I love some of this stuff and, you know, love the guys we had, but, <clears throat> you know, also that offensive line at A&M, they had like three first round draft picks. So, you know, they could drop back in a, in a shotgun and just air it out, you know, let guys go deep and, you know, we necessarily necessarily do that. And, Kind of same thing with Les, um, with some of the stuff he had. It was like, all right, he's coming from LSU where he had Leonard Fournette, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. And it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're not getting the same push up front or, you know, we're not, uh, we're not able to just sit back there behind the line for eight seconds and chuck bombs. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's something that this staff does really well. They kind of play perfectly for the roster that they have and, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of talented guys on on our current roster, but you know, I think uh, I think they just do a lot of creative things to promote some some yardage. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the current subject right now with Jalen Daniels being out. Talk about the amount the toll it takes on your body playing the Big Twelve. Like the amount the amount of hits you're taking. Like that's that is a very physical and big league. Like what what is that like? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole Jalen situation, it stinks because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of weird how they haven't, like, specified, like, what kind of back injury it is. But, um, you know, saying from experience, 
back injuries for a quarterback, they're just, they're not fun. Like you're just nowhere near the player that you are when you're fully healthy, when you have a back injury. Cause I don't know, so much of like the throwing motion, people think it just like all arm, you know, like shoulder strength and arm strength, but like so much of it is like rotating on the throw. And, you know, that's how you generate like velocity and, and speed on the ball. But yeah, I think uh, week to week, it's, you know, it's tough. Like most of the time, you know, you obviously got to take care of yourself and protect yourself, but whether it's like a legitimate injury or just banged up from the week before it, it definitely adds up as the season goes on. And, um, you know, just, you, you got, you guys know, like you got to take care of the, the rehab stuff weekly and, and do everything you can to make yourself feel great for that game on, on Saturday. But it definitely adds up, you know, as the season goes on. I, like, I saw on Twitter and something that I think that you could speak to is like, people were like, Oh, why isn't he back? Like you, you must not, you must not be trying. You must not care that much. Like, no, that's not, that's not the case. Like when it comes to injuries like that, like you could put him out there and it just won't be the Jalen Daniels. You remember, like it won't be as effective and it, it would end up hurting the team as well as potentially hurting him even more. Like, Talk about playing through an injury, like playing on an injury. Like that's what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And you know, especially with uh, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a, a good backup, Jason Bean. He, you know, I don't think he had his, his best game last week. I, you know, I think he'd be maybe the first one to say that as well. But he still had some great plays, and he's shown us in the past that he's more than a capable backup QB and, and very talented. But yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's just kind of a lose lose for Jalen to go out there if he's battling an injury, especially something that's like reoccurring, like a back injury. You know, he goes out there and enforces it versus the number three defense or number three team in the country last week. Like, yeah, it could end up just being worse for him personally and, and worse for, for the team because he's not at his best. And I think that Jason being like, everyone's talked about his performance on Saturday. But he had 30 minutes to prepare for a top 25 matchup in Austin, Texas, ABC 230. <laughs> if we have a full week, Jason Bean, in my eyes, is the best backup in the nation. Like, being able just to plug and play. You give him a week, I'm fully confident in his ability this week against USC or UCF. Like, and I think that everyone shares that. And it was unfair to him to kind of throw him in there and then expect him to go do what Jalen Daniels does because of the preparation that goes into taking the snaps, taking the mental reps. Like I'm sure there was games when you guys were doing the two uh, quarterback committee kind of like you guys were switching in. It's you're setting two guys up to fail. Really? Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's hundred percent accurate. Um, it just, yeah, you think about it, they go all last week planning for Texas, obviously thinking Jalen's going to play, 30 minutes before the game that gets, you know, pulled. And, you know, at that point, there's no, there's no changes you make to your game plan. Like it's already set in stone. It's implemented at that point. It just kind of, you know, making in-game adjustments and, you know, like da Daniels could have, he literally could have been hurt on like the first play. And it would have been like the same scenario as knowing 30 minutes before you're going to play. Like, there's nothing they really could have done to adjust the game plan. And at that point, it just in-game adjustments. And, you know, it's, it's tough. But with this week, you know, full week of preparation, 
you know, he knows he's the guy, no questions about that. He's getting all the first team reps. Like, I think we'll see a, a much more productive uh, Jason Bean this weekend. And, you know, I think uh, this offensive staff will dial up some plays that are more tailored to his, uh, his game. Carter, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your time against Texas. You obviously had the massive win against the Longhorns. Like, give us a little bit of a back backstory into that game and how much that meant to you to win. Mitch and Chris, I appreciate it. Before we get back to Rock Chalk Unplugged, those guys are doing a great job, by the way. I got to tell you about the best way to make money on sports. It's on prize picks. I played football, coached it. Now I'm a football analyst. And I'm telling you, during football season, there's no better place to be than on prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy, not sports betting. So on fantasy, on prize picks, you pick players, not teams. Each player has a set total stat projection for a game. You pair a couple of those together, pick higher or lower for the stat projection. And then when it hits, you make tons of money. So if you know ball, no players, you can rake in the dough with prize picks. The best part is, for the Rock Chalk Unplugged listeners, we have a special promo code that gets you a 100% deposit match up to $100 on prize picks. It's with code Rock Chalk or by going to prizepix.com slash Rock Chalk. That's prizepix.com slash Rock Chalk to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Who knows what you can turn that 100 bucks into? I'm thinking you guys can rake in the dough on some Monday night football, college football Saturday, tons of things to choose from other than just football too. They got basketball. They got tons of sports on there. You guys will love prize picks. It is the best way to fire on sports. And I've tried all of them in the world. Go to, go to prizepicks.com slash rock chalk to get your hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. And guys, supporting prize picks, the sponsor of this podcast helps support Mitch and Chris and, and the great work that they do and the great work that we're doing across the board at Mercury with all the great shows. So your support means a ton, allows us to put this podcast on prizepicks.com slash rock chalk. Carter, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your time against Texas. You obviously had the massive win against the Longhorns. Like, give us a little bit of a back backstory into that game and how much that meant to you to win. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was awesome, man. Uh, Yes, it was our, our second to last game of the year um, in 2016, and it was actually senior night for us. And um, that was that was such a great group of seniors that we had. You know, locker room guys. You know, definitely some talented players as well. So one thing that was really cool, I think it was walk through uh, the day before. Coach Beatty, he's you know he's from Texas, and you know we're we're finishing up the walk through, and he just said like. All right, let me see a show of hands of you guys that are from Texas. And literally like a third of our roster, probably 40 guys raised their hand. And he's like, all right, let me see a show of hands of people that were offered by Texas. And I think it was maybe one guy on our team that had like an offer from Texas coming out of high school. And <clears throat> he was just like, that was, you know, me being a Florida guy, like outsider, like that was like pretty sick to see. And that definitely, uh, you know, got those guys going and, and fired up. And it was crazy because the game starts, they get the ball first, literally first play of the game. They throw a five-yard hitch that goes 75 yards of the house. I'm like, well, <laughs> like, that's not how you want to start. But, um, no, we, we bounced back great and, you know, literally just an ultimate team win. I think our defense forced like five or six turnovers. Um, offense wasn't wasn't a good day until, like, last two drives of the fourth quarter we got um you know some points to to tie it up in regulation and you know just seeing that field goal go through and over time to to win and 
it was it was an awesome moment. From my time uh, after the game, it was a great time. What did you do after the game? How much fun did you have? You can't ask him that, dog. <laughs> oh God, it's, it's it's after the fact, dude. Honestly, it was uh, it was nuts. Like I, I felt like the whole team was kind of just like shocked. Honestly, like like Cloud Nine. Um, you know, we we had a pretty big pregame with a number of the guys on the team, and you know, definitely definitely celebrating that one, and then headed on down to uh, 14th and Ohio Street that night, and, and had a good one. <laughs> <laughs> had a good yeah, had a, had a pour one out of the hog. But you were texting, <laughs> you were texting the kryptonite. I mean, uh, your last year, you go down to Austin, right? This is your last year, and. Uh, <laughs> We're up 17-14. I just found this out today. That was the first lead we had at Texas since 197. or 1997. So you were you beat them at home. I think that was the first time forever we had beaten Texas. Go down there, get a lead. And that game was more – that was – I'm not a morals victory guy. Like, I am like the Shador Sanders. They ask him, what's the moral victory? He's like, I don't even know what that means. But that game right. was so much fun to watch that it was like – that's what I loved about your last year is that you gave us all hope – on like, hey, this program is headed the right direction. Talk about obviously you lot like you guys didn't come out with the outcome you wanted for that game, but talk about your last game in Austin, Texas, putting on a fantastic game. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was definitely a fun one, and you know I'm, I'm with you on the the no moral victories, but you know looking back on it, that was like truthfully game like put it this way it was, it was the most fun i've ever had in a loss like by far um stinks that we didn't win but <clears throat> it was actually uh like the only game my high school buddies got to come and see me play because i had like a friend that was living in austin so you know they put the the visiting team like their their family members literally like back left corner of the stadium back up against like the last row and it was funny, like we'd score and I'd hear like a group of 50 up there just going nuts. Like, <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, it was awesome. It was like perfect night. Um, you know, had a lot of fun shoot. I think two weeks prior, we fired our offensive coordinator, got like a whole new offensive coordinator and we had a bye week, um, to like prep for it. So we kind of had like two weeks to implement this whole new offense kind of based off like RPOs and, and spreading it out a little bit more than what we were doing earlier. And, you know, we, we didn't know what to expect and we kind of started off slow, but caught fire. And, you know, unfortunately they go down on the last drive to, to win it, but uh, no, definitely a fun night. My favorite picture is Carter Stanley. <laughs> that, nothing gets me more hyped than every year when you post that. It's, it's legitimately so much hype. Yeah, no, it was uh that was that was definitely emotionally fueled. Uh there was uh, a lot of people in the the front row right behind her bench the whole game just like you know, y'all are going to get beat by 40 this and that this and that and you know, we go down with a minute left, go for two to take the lead and I, I just had to rip it. <laughs> they 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 get mad about you doing it, but they give you no choice. Like when you're there, they sit there, they're holding it up, they're talking all that shit, and every time, like they're expecting you not to go like this. It's like you're literally just putting it on a tee for me. As soon as I make my first big play or anything goes on, right? Everybody just throws it down. Can't be mad about that. No, a hundred. 
And like, dude, if you think about Oklahoma, like they're literally their school's hand signal, like sooner it's, it's this, it's horns down. Like, you know, they don't even have their own thing. It's just anti-Texas. So yeah. And, and you hit it on the head. It's, they, they put it out there because everything they do is just this. So you're in a competition with them. It's competitive. And, you know, once, once you get a good, good player, a good moment, it just comes out, I guess. What, uh, what's your opinion on that being made into a penalty? If you throw up the horns down now, it's, it's a penalty. It's a, what, what is it, Chris? It's a, it's an unsportsman. It's 15. It's I think an unsportsman? Two of them, you can oh. kicked out of the game, which that's the most ridiculous part. Yeah, so I wonder if if you do double, I wonder if that would count as, as two of them. But get them out of here, throw them out, baby. <laughs> Carter, what was I wanted to ask you? What's the craziest environment you played in in college? Whether that be at Texas, K State, what's the craziest environment you played in? Yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say probably a tie between Texas and West Virginia, and it's funny because West Virginia's capacity is like maybe a little bit more than half of Texas. I think Texas is like a hundred thousand or maybe a little bit over a hundred thousand West Virginia. It's really not that much bigger than like Kansas stadium, but God, I mean, those fans are so rowdy. Like you pull into the stadium and you're seeing burning couches and five-year-old kids like flicking off the bus. Like it, like that place was, that place was electric. And um, I'd say probably a tie between those two, but also, Oklahoma State, like, same deal. Only, like, 50,000 capacity, but I've never played on a field where the stadium or the stands is, like, so close to the field. And so it just feels like they're right on top of you. So I guess I'd throw that in there as well. Which is crazy, the correlation between football and basketball. Like, West Virginia is the same thing in basketball. Like, it's not yeah. the biggest arena you play in. There's not always the most people there. But somehow, if there's 20 people in that building – it's going to be deafening. And then Oklahoma State, too, like their basketball court, like the only true courtside seats. And then their second row comes over. So, like, it is like, you really feel like you're in a box. Like, it's like claustrophobic. And then it gets loud. And we never played one sold out at Oklahoma State, Mitch. And that was maybe the one of the loudest stadiums in the Big 12. The place to hate to play, too. Wait, what? I said it's a place to hate to play, too. Because, like, it's just everything's on top of you. Like, right. In, in, in my experience, like, in my time at KU, like, they weren't very good that often. So, like, it was always a trap game. Like, you're going down there, it's a trap. Like, it's going to be a loud environment for a game that you aren't super jacked up for. Like, it was always, it was always a trap. Yeah. Okay. Speaking, so, oh, yeah. Let, let's talk about I was going to ask you, since we were speaking about, about stadiums and whatnot, what is, your, what is your thoughts on the new stadium renovations that KU is getting? How much is that going to mean to our football program and in our, our university in general? Yeah, no, I, I think it's huge. Um, you know, obviously so much going into it financially, uh, emotionally, like there's, there's a lot that goes into something like that. And, you know, I, I think it's good. I'm, I'm kind of forgetting about what other, you know, things are involved other than the stadium. I, I know it's going to be like a big district, but you know, I think all in all, it'll just be great for the university because, man, I mean, we were we were due for a new stadium to say to say the least. It's it's dated, but you know, obviously, uh, 
you know, the team winning now, promoting some some energy and excitement around the program, like I think it's it's well deserving. And um, no, I'm I'm super fired up to see when it's all said and done. How much does a new stadium mean for recruiting? I think it's huge because, like, honestly, if you look at KU's current state, um, outside of the stadium, we, I mean, we have great facilities. Like, and they just updated the locker room again. Um, so, yeah, everything outside of the stadium currently is phenomenal. Obviously, the coaches, you know, they're putting some some wins together now to to back that up. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of like the last piece to really have KU as, like, you know, a true competitor, um, you know, in, in the football phase. And they've, they've been, I mean, obviously we're winning. There's a lot of buzz around the program, but they have been doing a lot of little fun things that I feel like is really good for recruiting. The one that's been really big this year was the black jerseys. I want to know your opinion on them because I, I'm not a black on black guy. Like I, 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 I hate black jerseys, maybe because I'm so white. I always hated like wearing <laughs> stuff like that. I made it look like a ghost, but like, what was your opinion on those black jerseys? I thought they were sick. I, yeah, I loved them. Um, yeah, the funniest thing about it, and I was talking with some former teammates about this too, is, you know, we had guys on our team that were just begging the coaches, like, come on, like, we got to get black jerseys, got to do it. Cause I guess they had like a black jersey back in like 2012 or something, but they told us they were like, yeah, just, it's not a school color. We're, we're red, you know, crimson blue, a little bit of yellow and white. Like it's not a school color. We can't do it. Sure enough, you start winning some games and it gets allowable, but (laughs) but I I loved it. And I, I thought I saw that, I guess they have like 41 potential like uniform combinations right now, which is pretty cool. I mean, end of the day, you still got to go out there and just, play well that's the only thing that matters but um no it definitely helps I if, like it though. yeah no i i loved it <laughs> i love the circus font that they had did you guys notice that like yeah i, yeah. I, I like the numbering and, and the letters like i wish that would kind of be our primary but obviously with blue yeah, and I Speaking think they'll, of here, they'll do a combo where, like, they'll do an all-white with a black helmet or something like that. I think they'll find a way. If we start winning games and there's a big-time game coming to Lawrence, for sure. we'll, sprinkle, we'll sprinkle something in there. Mm-hmm. We need one for basketball. I, I, there's no way in hell. I, there's no way in hell. <laughs> we wore flower jerseys, and I think that is about the – the cat for Coach So, uh, no, he'll never approve black jerseys. We will have. Them didn't he walk in the Chris? Didn't he walk in the locker room and was like, "What the hell are these?" <laughs> we were. He was trying to get them changed. He he was like, "We're not wearing these tonight. We're not wearing these tonight." But we had a bunch of ads and marketing and stuff already put yeah. out. I'm pretty sure this is the story. And uh, they were like, "We can't not now." We promoted it. Like everything's about it. It's like the. It was the. Uh, I think it was Black History Month is what it was. And so, like, they had no choice. But Coach Self, when he walked in the locker room, he was like, we look, what are, like, what is going on? We're, having, we're playing in flowers tonight? It's a top soft. 20 matchup. We're soft. playing flower jerseys. Yeah. And soft. Thank God we won, though. Thank God we Imagine if we would have lost in that. Kansas would have worn nothing besides white and blue jerseys for the rest of all time. You guys probably would have came out and practiced jerseys the next week. <laughs> <laughs> We would have. We would have. We didn't wear red jerseys at home for like, how I think it was like four or five years because we wore them at home and lost. And so Coach Self was like, I think we've lost like 
three out of the last nine games we've worn red jerseys, which three out of nine is like no big deal at all. But he's like, that's our lowest winning percentage. Like it has to be the jerseys we are right. not wearing. Which is also a completely made up stat because he was notorious for like just pulling stats out that everyone's like, no one's who the hell? Like, yeah. <laughs> no one's I think like that's like a coach thing in general. Like you have coaches that make up random ass stats just to validate their points sometimes. Like, don't get me wrong, it might be a good point, but like, there's no need to tell me a stat about it that I'm not going to fact check. <laughs> So you guys had a couple big wins your last year, Kansas, but there may not have been a bigger one than the homecoming game, Texas Tech in Lawrence. Uh, what was that feeling like? I mean, it was it was the first time we got a Big 12 win in a, in a very long time, or not in a very long. We beat Texas obviously in 2016, but like it was it was it's a it's a monumental win on homecoming night game. Everything was crazy. How was that feeling? Yeah, that was. Uh... That was definitely a fun one. You know, it was coming off of uh, the week prior. We were at Texas, um, you know, had like a heartbreaking loss on a last second field goal. And, um, you know, this was going into week two under Brent Deerman as our offensive coordinator. And, you know, obviously coming off of a good offensive performance, we were we were fired up to get back out there and try to stack two, two good ones together. And um, it's funny, all week we were <laughs> – you know, it's homecoming game. We got this new offense. We're trying to show off a little bit. And, you know, we all week we're working on this like double reverse lateral back to me. And then I throw like a deep post route and we're going to run it on the first play of the game. I'm not kidding. I don't think it worked one time in practice all week against the scout team. And coach was like, man, like, you know, what do you think? You still want to run it? I'm like, yeah, let's run it. Let's let's go deep first play. And sure enough, like double reverse, almost gets hit for a fumble. I kind of barely get it. See a single high safety, which was not the read to throw a post into. And I'm just like, uh, like I'm about to get sacked. Like, you know, fuck it. Like just chuck it. <laughs> it was it was brutal. Of course gets picked off. We're we're down 17-0 to start that game. It's like, man, like, was not looking good. And, you know, we, we started off uh, just kind of catching some momentum, you know, getting some good plays. And, you know, I think it was 34-34 in the fourth quarter. We're going down to, like, kick a field goal to win it. And if you guys remember, we got the first attempt blocked and – Texas Tech recovers it. They're trying to, like, return it for a touchdown because, like, time's running out. They go to lateral it. We actually had one of our offensive linemen, like, pull the arm to kind of throw the lateral off. Luckily, we bounce, like, on it with two seconds left, kick the field goal to win it, and, and yeah, that was, that was a fun one for sure. I, I forgot the exact way that ended. I couldn't remember if we blocked the kick and it ended on that. But, yeah, I remember that. I That was – it was like it was just one of those games where like you're sitting there scratching your head at the end of it, just being like, "What? Like what happened? We were down seventeen nothing. Like the final play of that game, it was just like a perfect storm. It was a, it was like a movie. It was just it was just straight up entertainment that whole second half." Yeah, no, it was uh, it was kind of terrible, but yeah, we get off the field after like that or before that first field goal attempt and. I'm kind of on the sideline telling the offense, I'm like, all right, get ready for overtime because 
at the time we were kind of having tr- like struggles with uh, special teams, especially the week before versus Texas. And sure enough, it gets blocked. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And just like praying that he didn't return it for a touchdown. Cause that would have been just like a nightmare, but um, yeah, luckily we we're, were able to get back on it and, and close it out with the second try. Carter, at your time in KU, what was the craziest conditioning you ever had to do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there's a few I could definitely say, but, you know, I'd say uh, the worst was probably 2017, like, week before the season started. Um, you know, we had some guys that uh, went out at Shark Night, got into some trouble. I, I may or may not have been included in that, but uh, <laughs> we – we got punished, and the punishment was that next day, 5 a.m., whole team is running up the hill from the base of the Hawk up to, I think, Jayhawk Boulevard at the top of the hill, and that was uh, that was rough. You know, all things considered, that the angle of that hill, like 30-degree incline, whatever it is, and then add in, you know, the fact that it was like the night after shark night, that was, that was definitely tough. For anybody that anybody watching this podcast should know how daunting that hill is. Like it's hard to drive it in a car, much less run it. Well, I can't imagine running it the night after one of the best nights on campus. Like and probably like three hours of sleep. Like if you're getting trouble at night on Shark Night, it's probably like twelve o'clock. So word got back fast. You're probably not getting back to the crib until like one thirty, one forty, two a.m. Whatever it is. So yeah, right. you're, you're on two hours of sleep. Yeah, not feeling the best, and then just know and being like, I've had some yep. days like, <laughs> please, please, Lord, forgive me. Wasn't, that wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, those are the mem- like those are the memories. As much as like, yeah, you said you may or may not have been involved in that. Uh, those are the memories that you think back on, and it's like those are the story. Like you will talk about obviously your Texas win and like the Texas tech win every once in a while, but like that'll be probably one of the stories that you guys bring up the most at every one of your reunions. We haven't seen, seen one of your boys in a long time. It's like that story will just live on forever. Oh dude. It's yeah. It's funny. I've been, uh, I've been at a few weddings this summer and, and been, you know, number them with some former teammates and, Dude, I'd say like 75% of the stories we tell were like off the field things that were just like hilarious, like whether it was in the locker room or, you know, out or something. But no, we definitely, definitely got a number of good memories that are, you know, outside of just the game. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Carter. It uh, means a ton to Chris and I having you on here. I know KU fans wanted to hear from, from you, and, and it means a lot for you to be here. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on, and um, no, we'll, we'll definitely have to catch up here soon. Are you guys, Mitch? Are you you're overseas right now, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm currently in Belgium right now, playing playing basketball, chasing the dream. Uh, Dude, it, I saw that very, the other day. That was huge. Yeah, man, it uh, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. It feels it feels a lot like high school again in terms of like the freedom you get to play with. It's not quite like uh, it's not like it's not quite like. Uh, I don't know how to say this. They're probably going to edit this out anyway, but, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, because my, my coach – no, Chris, my coach watches this podcast. <laughs> he does? Oh, yeah. So, like, I can't like, – like, I can't say anything bad. Because, like, no, don't say anything bad, but, like, yeah, it's, 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 like, it's, like, 
It's like there's more freedom with it. Like it's not Coach Self, where it's in like if I do one thing off cue, then I'm gonna warm the damn bench for the next ten minutes. But like, right. nah, it, it's so much fun. Uh, we love it. Like the environment wise, like it's just so much more like laid back over here. Like everything's sure. like super chill. Like we walk everywhere. Like everywhere, and like we're right in in between Brussels and Antwerp, so like right in the middle of everything. Um, beer's really good. Food's really good. It's sick. It's sick. Yeah. Chris is actually going to come visit. Any change games? I'm going tomorrow. So I went to the Illinois game, but I'm going to I'm going to the game tomorrow. I got some good tickets. Um, they're fun again. I mean, they're so much fun. Like you go, you go do the tailgates in Lawrence all day. Like the tailgates are all popping, and it's not like it used to be before, where like no one went into the game. Like you get the tailgates. Then everybody starts flooding in the stadium. Everyone's in their seats at kickoff. Kickoffs, they're playing the oh, oh, like they're like it is. It's it's back. Kansas football, it has been back. But like I remember from two thousand eight, two thousand nine, where we were Orange Bowl team, like just it, Lawrence shut down that day, and it's back to that. And I'm like a little kid over there. I'm screaming, jumping up in the stands, <laughs> like hugging, hugging the person next to me. Like it's 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 been a blast to go to them. That's awesome. Have you guys seen like all the outrage about like people leave, like people are outraged about the students leaving early to go to the bars? They're students. You can't expect them not to. No, you're good. Boys, if I uh, yeah, my phone's gonna die here probably any second. So if I just cut out, no, you're all good. Yeah, you're all good. Probably all right, die. hey, yeah, Carter, appreciate you coming on, dog. It was a great time. Uh, let's cheer the Jayhawks on to a win this weekend, next weekend, and. The whole rest of the year. Let's go. Let's go to the college football playoff. Let's turn it around after this. Jason Bean and Donald. No, good seeing you guys. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, man, definitely looking forward to the game this weekend. Oh yeah, Carter. Good to hear from you, buddy.